Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life, a podcast dedicated specifically to helping you create a life, a purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. I'm grateful to have with me a guest who has a fascinating story and a lot to help us with. Lion, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kellen. It's great to be here. I love Lion. I asked him to start with, so, do you go by Lion? He said, well, that's my name, so that's what I go by. And I understand that, because my name's Kellen, and that's not Lion, but it's weird. So I've been asked that a lot. Do you have a short name, Kel, or something? No, Kellen, we're good. So, Lion, I have a question for you, based on what I know, uh, what little I know about you, but it's a lot, and that is, you've had a bunch of extraordinary experiences, Someone that has those could take those to their own benefit and growth. You have made a choice to add good to the world, to lift, bless, serve others. What is it in your heart that makes you want to take those profound learnings and that great detailed study that you described for me, what makes you want to take that and serve others with it instead of just have it be for your own benefit? I think that's been in in me all the time because uh, I remember in middle school, junior high school, wanting to be a teacher because I loved my teachers. And then I looked around at the other kids who were 12, 13, 14, and I said, I could never teach this grade. We are too screwed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So then, I, then when I, I graduated from college with a degree in consciousness studies, that was my primary interest. But Nobody was hiring people with consciousness degrees at the time. Uh, so I went off in a different direction. I went into sales. Then I went into headhunting. And I had a 25-year career in, in executive search. So I was serving corporations. I wasn't really serving the people. <laughs> so, so uh, But all during that time, I was, I was exploring myself. And one of the things I explored was my purpose. Why am I here? And when I discovered my purpose... It was all about service and serving other people. And I've, at one point I said, I, I have enough to teach now. So I began teaching about 20 years ago. So why do you think, I hear that a lot when I talk to coaches and others that are, you know, people say, oh, I just like helping people. What do you suppose it is that is in us that makes us want, yearn to serve? I think that we all have a purpose and purpose is never to make a lot of money or to accumulate lots of toys. A purpose is not selfish. It's always for the benefit of others because we we are here to be with others and to make things better. Uh, I, I've never seen, I help people find their purpose and I've never seen a purpose that was selfish. It is what we're here for, uh, why we came to, this planet incarnated into these bodies and grew up with the traumas and the problems that we had in order to build the strengths and to build the, 
qualities that are required to fulfill that purpose ultimately. I know. So I really love that because you've included, you know, the struggles and traumas and lots of times when people think about, you know, the larger consciousness or the divine or the universe or whatever people want to call it, they say, well, one objection is, well, if there was really a good purpose, why do we struggle? Why is there so much whatever, negativity, struggle, pain? And you just said those struggles help us refine ourselves so that we can do a good job, essentially, with our purpose. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, if you want to build your body up, you go to the gym and you use resistance training to build your muscles. And resi when you do resistance training, you're actually breaking the muscle cells down, and then they rebuild in the recovery phase in a stronger way. And so we are here to be broken down in the same way and to be build ourselves back up in order that we can fulfill our purpose. Because purpose is often quite big. Uh, some people have very specific purpose, like your purpose is to go help children who are autistic become, uh, become functional in life. Mm -hmm. Some people have a have a very general purpose, love. Well, who should I love? Just love. Love everybody. <laughs> that's, right. that's what you're here for. Uh, and some people are here to do something very specific, and they're given specific instructions once they find their purpose. But in general, it is always for the benefit of others and for the planet. You know, we're here to create a sustainable planet where everybody can thrive. So I love that, and I'm, I'm grateful that you said that because I, you know, my purpose, prosperity, and joy for this whole podcast, my purpose this year is to help 50 million people to discover and serve with their gifts. And you told me a little bit before we started about some of the struggles that you went through that made you go on this journey, and it included, you know, getting shot. So what happened there, and like however much detail is important what happened what is what happened before what happened that made you say okay this is a leverage or turning point to go do something else that's deeper and more important after i graduated from college as i said nobody was hiring uh, people with degrees in consciousness uh, you know i have to say something and you said that was in 1975 and i'm sitting here thinking i didn't even know there was i mean today okay but 50 years ago or 48 years ago, degree in consciousness? Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, that was what I faced is, you know, when you're a pioneer on the bleeding edge, you know, there's nobody there to catch you. Right. <laughs> so I became a traveling salesman and I traveled around for about a year and a half in a van, um, just getting to know the territory and, you know, selling things that people would buy. And uh, one day I picked up a fellow whose car had broken down in the middle of the Mojave Desert. And he ended up traveling with me for three days. I grew to trust him, sent him on errands with a, to gas up the, the van and that kind of thing. And the third night out, um, uh, we were in the middle of nowhere in east of L.A. And uh, he pulled out a gun and shot me four times in the head. And that was a surprise. Uh, it was not unexpected. Um, and because I had studied consciousness and studied religion and studied death and dying and studied spirituality for, for years, um, I thought, okay, well, it's my time to die. 
So I didn't want to die with anger or upset in my system. I wanted to die clean. So I, I basically forgave everyone in my past, including him, for harming me. And I, and I asked for forgiveness for anyone I had harmed. Um, and by the time he, by the time he shot the third time, I was out of my body, looking down at the van, seeing this little scene play out like a dollhouse. And then the fourth bullet hit me, and I was suddenly back in my body. And uh, I, I knew enough about anatomy and physiology because I had studied these things to look at, try to figure out what had, what had been harmed or what had been lost by the fourth bullet, because I thought it went through my skull. And I seemed intact. And so I turned to look at him because I wanted to look my assassin in the eyes before I died. And he freaked out and he jumped up and he said, why aren't you dead, man? You're supposed to be dead. And I didn't have a good reason. I didn't know what the reason was. So I just said, here I am. And he said, it's just like my dream this morning. I was shooting at this guy and he wouldn't die, but it wasn't you. It was somebody else in the dream. And at that point, I thought, this is weird. <laughs> this is very strange. How did I get into this movie? I don't remember signing a contract. <laughs> right. No, of course not. <laughs> How much am I going to get paid after this is over? So um, so uh, that began an eight-hour conversation with this man who had just shot me. Uh, I, I never lost consciousness. I was conscious the whole time. And being out of body, recognizing I'm not my body, Clearly, I mean, I sort of knew it theoretically, but this was like clearly. So that incident caused me to say, all right, I got to know more. What is this? What is this life? Having come so close to death, what is this life? What is it, what is it for? How do we expand our awareness? And so that led to 100 workshops and trainings over a couple of decades uh, in search of that answer. Um, and I finally found it. So I want to get to what you found because it's important. Uh, you, you've talked to this guy for eight hours, you said, and it, so he didn't shoot anymore, and he sat there and talked to you for eight hours. How did you get medical attention to get healed? Well, I didn't know. I knew I had been hit twice by bullets. Two had missed me by fractions of an inch, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know how badly I was injured. I just felt intact. Uh, and so I, I was, my head hurt, but other than that, I felt okay. I didn't feel like anything was lost. And uh, once we finally agreed how to let each other go, because that was the quest, um, he didn't want to be put back in jail. I didn't want to be dead. So part of a lot of that was negotiation and talking to him about his story and really getting to know what was underneath. What were the beliefs that he grew up with? that caused him to do that? And what were the beliefs that caused me to be in that place at that time? And so the, the once we let each other go, I drove myself to the hospital and found out that two bullets had, had bounced off my skull, that they didn't penetrate my, my head. Wow. So clearly it wasn't your time, and you were, as you mentioned, designed to go through that experience to to allow you the freedom to pursue these 100-plus workshops. So tell me, us all, who are on the edge of our seats, what were the 100 workshops for? What did you find? And how did you then progress to where you are with us today? 
Well, every workshop and every training and every shamanic practice I did uh, informed me in some way about how big the universe is, how big our consciousness is. I believe that there's only one consciousness and that we're all part of it. Mm -hmm. We all participate in it and take part in it. It's like we're all made of earth and water and fire and and uh, air so we've all we're all sharing the same source mm -hmm. uh, the same source physically the same source spiritually um and so i was trying to understand that and over time with enough of those experiences you just live in the fact that we are all connected all the time already that there that's the, the separation itself is a delusion is this is this um, I'm going to ask question. I want you to keep going. So just sure. comma. Is this related to or the same as the idea of non-duality, which is a universal connection, or is there some distinction there? Um, it is the same ultimately because uh, advaita, meaning non-duality, dvaita is where the word divide comes from. So it means mm. not divided. So yeah, when you recognize that that it's all connected, mm -hmm. then you can. Then you're operating from a different place. Now, if you're if you're doing meditation and you recognize it in your meditation, then the question is, what do you do when you stand up out of meditation and go to work or, or go right. into relationship, which is going to be stimulating to you? So, how do you operate from that place where you recognize the other person as yourself? In Africa, they call it Ubuntu. Uh, I am because you are. You know, there we are interconnected. So, so it's really applying that same awareness to all parts of your life, not just while you're meditating. So that's fabulous. And at some point during all these, and I guess the quest for enlightenment and meditation practice and all that sort of stuff is always ongoing, just in terms of what you said, we have these you know, things that happen to us or we, in and out of jobs and work and relationship and that sort of thing. Tell me what you, you did those things. You came to a place where you decided that you, had, you knew enough you're going to teach and share. So tell me more about that and how that works and, and so forth. Well, um, uh, I mentioned before we got on the air that I was looking at what causes transformation. Mm -hmm. it, because sometimes transformations were big and profound and complete. And others were temporary and partial, and I was the same person two hours later or two days later, uh, and it didn't really have any lasting impact. So I began investigating what do these profound experiences have in common, whether it's through a shamanic practice or through meditation or through yoga or through um, you know, inquiry. Uh, what is it that creates that big shift, big shifts? Mm -hmm. And what it was was there was there were core beliefs changed at that time that's what they had in common is it something at the core something i believed got changed completely and that's what caused the transformation and then i examined beliefs where they came from how do you change them tried lots of different techniques and again most were partial or temporary some were producing profound change and so um i was uh, working in another organization, uh, training their people with their methodology. And I left that organization because it got a little culty. And uh, so I said to Spirit, hey, I need a belief change method that's that's 
creates profound change that's rapid, that's permanent, that's fun and interesting, not laborious, not boring. And so please, I'd like, I'd like to have that. And two hours later, uh, this process just downloaded into me, just boom. And I was kind of looking at it from the inside going, oh, that's pretty cool. I wonder if that works. I started using it on myself and it worked fantastically. I started sharing it with other people, it worked fantastically. And so that became the core process of the whole Clear Beliefs Method, which is now 12 integrated processes together that coaches and therapists and healers around the world are now using. So you've given it a name, Clear Beliefs, and you made a distinction, said that some things are temporary, some are partial, they sort of wear off, as it were, in a matter of hours or days, yet there are some which involve a real change in belief, and by real I simply mean it's permanent. Mm -hmm. The belief is actually changed as opposed to influenced in some way. Can you talk a little bit about the methods that you use? Obviously, 12 interconnected practices can't be described in detail in the time we've got. But tell us, uh, tell us about that. What, what does it involve, and how do you start with someone who comes to you and says, uh, I've heard about this stuff, but I'm sure it doesn't work on me, or whatever kind of story they come with, and I'm sure you've heard all that. I have. In fact, when someone says, uh, the processes don't work on me. I say, well, that's the first belief we have to clear. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> because if, if whatever you believe is what you experience. So if you believe that something's not going to work, it doesn't work, surprisingly, which proves that the beliefs actually do create our experience. So so the first thing I do is I, I listen to whatever the person's issue problem is, whatever is going on in their life that they'd like to change. and And then I begin with a process called finding core beliefs. And I teach 12 different methods for just finding core beliefs because there's something that's the cause of whatever that surface problem is. And if I can find the cause, if I can find the source and if and make the change there, then everything else changes. Now suddenly the person's looking through a different lens out at life. They're experiencing new things. They're seeing new opportunities where they didn't exist before because beliefs are like filters in front of our eyes. And if you can swap the filter, swap the sunglass color, you see a different reality. So first step is finding the core belief underneath that. What's the experience that you had in childhood that caused you to come to that conclusion? I'll, I'll give you a great example. So a multimillionaire came to me and he, he had the habit of making millions and losing millions and making millions and losing millions. And he wanted to find out what was underneath that pattern. He wanted to stop the pattern because he was tired of losing his money. And uh, in a few sessions, I took him back in time and he suddenly realized and remembered an incident when he was three years old, walking with his mother on the streets of New York. And he saw a shiny penny on the ground and he got very excited and he reached down to pick it up. And his mother jerked him back and said, don't touch that, it's dirty. And that, that was the core of his inability to hold on to money because it was dirty and he shouldn't touch it. So with that realization, that broke apart that belief because he found the source and he didn't have to lose his millions after that. So that's a, a typical story of, of the kind of profound shifts that can happen uh, when I work with people. And then, then we apply one of the processes that transforms that incident, that core source of the of the belief that got formed early in childhood. And sometimes people have a lot of 
very negative beliefs in childhood because of trauma, because of mistreatment, maltreatment, uh, even a, even uh, lack of treatment. So uh, the process, depending on how much you've got in you, can take three months, six months, sometimes more. But it goes pretty quickly. When a person comes to you and you're looking in that example, for example, for his three-year-old experience, is it conversational? Do you use some kind of hypnosis or other kind of regression? You know, what kind of approach do you use to help people remember and pinpoint those uh, core events that took place that, that shaped those beliefs? We don't use hypnosis. I don't think you need to put people into an altered state to do this work. It's, it's done through inquiry, conversation, mm -hmm. um, some memory work. Guided, guided imagery is about as woo-woo as we get. Close your eyes and, and feel this feeling. Remember backwards in time what comes up. And we would just work with whatever comes up. So it's, it's really the person could open their eyes at any moment. What we're doing is we're trying to find that source material and then change it. And that's a guided imagery process as well that is multidimensional. Now, one of the things that is my discovery is that most belief change methods are one-dimensional, maybe two-dimensional. So you can beat a pillow emotionally and get the emotion out, but you haven't touched the subconscious pattern. Or you can mentally say, I'm going to believe something different. And that's great mentally, but it doesn't touch the emotions or the, the spirit nature that we have or the body nature that we have. So the processes that I use are multidimensional in nature because we are multidimensional beings having multidimensional experiences, which means beliefs are multidimensional constructs, not just mental constructs. And that's where a lot of people go wrong is they think they can change their mind and have it change everything else and it doesn't happen. So you mentioned at least four. You said mind, body, spiritual, emotional. Are there more than four dimensions in the model that you have, or are there those Absolutely. four? Absolutely. Yeah, we are, we are highly multidimensional. We have a relational nature of how we relate to other people. We mm -hmm. have a financial nature. We have a, a not only a spiritual nature, but, but a cosmic nature. We have a karmic nature. So sometimes people remember things from past lives, so that can come up too. We just treat it as, oh, that's what the source is. doesn't matter where it is or where it's from. So um, I've got a long list of, I think, 40 different dimensions of the human self. So, so uh, anybody's interested, I'd be happy to share that with them. Well, yeah. So we'll get to that in a minute because when we get toward the end, I'm going to ask you how people can find out all about this. So, wow, 40. So that might take some some good digging and some time. Is this a collection of things that you've put together yourself from this all this inquiry and work that you did, this is your own creation. Well, as, as uh, Einstein and uh, many people before him have said, I stand on the shoulders of giants. Of so. course. I didn't mean all brand new, but I mean, you've synthesized and put stuff together from this multiple and multiple sources. Yeah, it's my synthesis from, from many different experiences over the 20 years of research and, and then putting it together in a unique way. And uh, we've had people who have taken every other kind of training take my training and they say wow this integrates everything i've learned before and it gives me more tools to be more effective well that's fantastic so let me ask about books or have you published this in a volume of books or or is it just a training that's found on your website and materials uh, what do you, what have you done to help or to make that available 
Uh, the Clear Beliefs Coach Training uh, can be found at clearbeliefs.com. Mm-hmm. And that gives uh, our background on the whole training. It's three levels of training. It takes about uh, nine months to go through the three levels. Mm-hmm. And um, my articles, including my near-death story, is on liongoodman.com. And so um, I can be contacted through either of those websites. liongoodman.com and clearbeliefs.com. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> if you think about the world that we have right now, I mean, we've got a war going on in Europe, we've got inflationary pressures, we've got political um, divisiveness and, and, you know, just all kinds of polarizations. What do you think is driving this, what seems to be at least, I see two things happening, this driving towards separateness and fragmentation, and yet in the midst of that, I see an upwelling of a yearning to this increase in consciousness that we're talking about. So talk to me a little bit about that. How do you help someone who's struggling from the things that happen all around them that seem to be getting in the way of their life or making them just really struggle? I'm asked this question a lot. Like, well, if if I'm responsible for everything, am I responsible for the war in Ukraine? And I say that's called over-responsibility. You're responsible Mm -hmm. for your experience, your thoughts, your emotions. You can do something about those. And then if you want to change politics, get involved politically, because that's how you change the social world. That We change the economic world by being involved in economics. We change the the relational world by being involved in relationships. You can't do everything in your head. You can't make peace in the world in your head. You can have inner peace. That's cool, but it doesn't mean it's going to impact anyone else. So there's a lot of um, BS, shall we say, in the uh, you can create everything with your mind Mm -hmm. (laughs) spirituality business out there. Uh, I take a much more grounded approach, which is that there's a personal universe, a personal reality in which you have some control. Mostly you can take control. There's a social reality, which has a different set of principles and creation uh, rules and then there's the physical world, and that has a different set of rules of creation. So we have to know which world we're operating in uh, in order to be effective in the world. And uh, we, we are here. We do need to change the political structure. So you have to get involved in politics to do that. Uh, you have to at least contribute to political campaigns that you believe in. Um, if you want to stop the war, you know, go see your congressman. Um, you know, that's that's what it takes is action to implement anything, to create anything in the world. So I love that. And I'm all for action. And the idea that you're going to sit around and pontificate and the universe is going to change is not true. Uh, your own perception is all that you control and your own set of actions and how you interact with everything around you. Um, one of the things that I want you to t- talk to me about is hope. We live in a time when there's a lot of despair and a lot of frustration with all of these externalities. How important is it right now from a coaching perspective? I mean, do you do you do coaching or are you is your company just in the training? So you do coaching as well. I think of coaching sometimes as a people encouragement business and we're in kind of a little bit the hope business. How do you help people um, increase, grow? the hope that they have for their own possibility, the future, and what they can create. 
That's a, that's a good question. I don't spend a lot of time in hope because hope can be fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm much more interested in practical applications. Like if there's something in your way, let's clear it out of your way. Uh, if if you're concerned about something, let's get you in action to do something about it, not just sit around and worry about it. Um, mm-hmm. There are, I mean, there are real emotions, anxiety and fear and all those things. But but I'm very practical of mind. It's like I want to get in there and figure out what it is and clear it out and get you acting in your own behalf and in, on behalf of others to actually make change. And if we all contribute in that little way, if we each make our own little changes in our world, you know, whatever that world is, social world, physical world, political world, economic world, then that's what will shift the larger uh, structures. Um, and and there, there's some big structures that are very difficult to move. And they've moved in the last hundred years. It might take another hundred to, to move them further. But if we don't do it, who will? I completely agree. And I love what you said about hope. It is not that we sit around and hope for stuff. You create it by taking the action and seeing the result and then realizing that you do move, move stuff forward. So as a, we're coming pretty close to the end of our 30 minutes here, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, if you had a final thought or a couple of thoughts that you would give to someone who's exploring the idea of increasing their power, their ability to create, the ownership they have in the realm that they have it, what would you say? Examine and change your beliefs. And in each of my free eBooks, which are on my website, I give a, an exercise called belief self-diagnosis in which you look at what you believe about each area of your life, 20 different areas of life. What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about your capabilities? What do you believe about others? What do, what do you believe about people that disagree with you? Um, what are the beliefs underneath your attitude, underneath your approach to life? And by picking them up out of the subconscious mind and bringing them, bringing them up to conscious, you then have a choice. You can then decide, is this belief serving me or is it interfering with my life? If it's interfering with my life, what do I need to do to get rid of it? to change it. If it's serving me, great. But I'm going to keep using that. You know, like, look both ways before you cross the street. That's a useful belief for a child. It's also a, a useful belief for us. We wouldn't want to get rid of that one. right? <laughs> no, we wouldn't. So I want you to, it, it, what didn't I ask you that would be really useful that I had to ask you that you'd want to say about either coaching, your practice, the discoveries and synthesis that you've made? And then I want you to repeat for us your both the website and your personal website? That's a really good question. <laughs> we, we've ranged so far in our conversation so far, it's hard to think of a place that uh, that you haven't asked. Uh, let's see. Oh. How do you get past the delusion of separateness? Good. Talk about that for just a minute as we close up here. So the delusion of separateness is... I believe the core of most of human problems. I've been looking at this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And when I believe I'm separate from you, then you're an other. There's me and other. And if you're other, I can treat you any way I want. You're not human. Uh, uh, There's a book called uh, I and Thou. So if I see you as a thou, I see you as another me, 
as in Ubuntu and, and many of these other philosophies, Advaita, um, if I see you as another me, as a part of me, as we are the same being in two different bodies, then I'm going to regard you differently. I'm going to love you and care for you because you're part of me. I'm not going to harm you because that's harming myself. Why would I do that? So for me, that shift is one of remembering. There's many ways to do that, but remembering that we are already always connected. We are already always one part of one being. That that, that act of remembering, of actually looking and seeing, are we really different? Are we made of the same stuff, the same star stuff? Uh, are we made of the same consciousness? That inquiry itself will get you to remember the truth of who you are. So I love that, and thank you. Can you please mention one more time the two websites so people can be able to find you? And yeah, we're going to put it in the notes and stuff, but just mention them. Sure. Uh, my training website is clearbeliefs.com. That will take you to our Clear Beliefs Coach Training. And my personal website is liongoodman.com. And there's all my articles, including my near-death experience and links to all my resources. Thanks very much, Lion. I want to thank you for all the work you've done. I want to honor you for your choice to be a person who's adding good to the world. And thanks for showing up and being here with us fully present today. Thank you, Kellen. Thank you for being another me over there on the other side of this uh, electronic web and for inviting me to be on your show. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, and I am another you. I'm grateful for what you do. Those of you that are listening to this episode, please listen again. There's lots of things. And you know, the things that Lion talked about are true. It's possible to hear everything as, well, that's somebody's idea. But we are connected. Your purpose here is to love and serve. And when we all lean into that, we'll be able to move forward and create the ultimate life. Open your heart in this time around. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is your ultimate life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet.